What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Forward Progress Week 10, Best Bets Edition here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network and powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. Back to the usual crew this week. G-Stack George standing in for Suma last week. Did a great job. When I say great job, he lost his best bet in, in very embarrassing fashion. I do have to let him know that as he's probably watching right now. But Suma is back in, as is Hitman, as is Dr. Eric Eager. And already, Hitman, new rule. Bet all the leans, fade Hitman's best bet. It's just been that one. I will say, I've gone together. I've gone out and I've watched every previous episode and we have the stats on it as well to look through the leans. I'm not a guy that wants to be here like and bring up the tout narratives and everything like that. Best bets have sucked for Hitman, but your leans, Hitman, are actually 18 and 11 this year for 62.1%. So I ask you, why not just use one of the leans as the best bet going forward? It was that easy. And everybody got to see what happened on Twitter last week. I had such a good week. It was one of those weeks, college football, great. My live betting was better than ever. Props on fire. Game sides totals were on fire. I said, you know what? Everything's won this week. The best bet's going to win. I'm giving away $500. It got one and a half, two points closing line value. Here we are again. Same old story. <laughs> it does happen. We will review last week, but in all honesty, someone said like parlay all the leans. I'm not going to suggest doing that. Honestly, I don't suggest do that. Don't do that. Don't. But the leans this year are a combined 70 and 47 for 59.8% from this crew. So best bets, not so great, but leans good. We'll do a quick recap of last week. Producer Jason uh, from a lean's point of view, I went with two and zero. Oh. Eager, you got that. Producer Jason, Tampa covered that number. Uh, producer Jason is he's 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 in on the magical stream Thursday night magical stream a little too early. Tampa covered on that uh, on that kneel at the end of the game by Houston. That was a great one. They were just used to you getting bad beat at the end of these games, Eric with Baltimore a few weeks ago. I think he just marks X's on those. From a best bet perspective, I did end up winning my best bet. And I was the only one who did so a week ago. Oh, no, Washington. I, I, I want to... Here we go, man. Great start to the show today. Eager, you cash with Washington. Holy geez, was that a sweat? What was your reaction when Sam Howell was throwing to Kyler, Kyle Duggar directly in the end zone at the end of the first half of that game? I was I was at the privilege that ended up being Falcons Vikings, but that was the one game I was following along with. When I saw them get up 10-0, I just knew I was like it was sort of like what I texted into the into the channel where when it was uh 14-7 after the first quarter in Buffalo Cincy, I was like, how is this gonna go under? I was like, how is Washington gonna blow this cover? And I, I look back at my phone five minutes later, it's 14-10. So um that that was that was a hell of a game. New England ultimately not viable on offense. So kind of hard to cover by margin when you can't score. Not viable might be an understatement for what I witnessed from them uh, a week ago. Uh, for those who are new here, don't know how this works. We're covering five games this week. Usually we got a lot of ugly games in the mix because they're games that we have opinions on. This week we actually have some good matchups that I'm looking forward to talking about. Uh, so we'll break down five games where at least one of us has some sort of opinion on the game. Then at the end of the show, you will get a best bet from each one of us, our favorite pick on this week's board. All the picks tracked via 
third-party app, BetStamp, under the Forward Progress HQ account. And again, we'll try to make this as forward-looking as possible. I don't think anyone cares what we bet already. It's about the numbers that are on the board right now. So let's get right into it, guys. And let's start with a pretty interesting matchup on deck at Paycor Stadium. It's the Bengals, now 5-3, and three, hosting the Texans, 4-4. Four and four. C.J. Stroud, the star of the NFL last week, rookie record, 470 yards, thrilling comeback in that win over Tampa. Eric still gets the cover, but C.J. Stroud gets the win. Uh, he's been great so far this year. Statistically across the board, it's been a very impressive first half for C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans. Cincinnati, on the other hand, they've turned around a 1-3 and three start into a four-game winning streak. The latest victory coming Sunday night football against the Bills. The defense held up against Josh Allen. Joe Burrow seems like he's back to his old self again. And a lot of people talking Bengals back in the Super Bowl mix. Current market right now at Pinnacle. Bengals minus 6.5, minus 109. The total in the game, 48. Hitman, I'll start with you on this one. You unfortunately, I hate to bring this up, didn't cash with the Bengals on the over last week. But you are somewhat interested in going back to the well once more again here. Yeah, so I'll I'll preface by saying that make sure that you're monitoring Jamar Chase's injury status for this game because he's going to impact this total on if he ends up playing in the game or not. As far as what we know on Wednesday, they said that if he does practice, he's going to be limited and he's going to be pretty sore. So right now, it, to me, it sounds like a legit 50-50. But with that said, um, I, I lean towards the over in this game. The Texans' pass defense has really been struggling. If you look back at, like, even Bryce Young threw for seven and a half yards per attempt against this team. They're allowing on the year their 31st in completion percentage, allowed 24th in yards per attempt. They're primarily a zone defense, which Joe Burrow is just absolutely lethal against zone throughout his career. And since he got healthy in the last two weeks – when the Niners and Buffalo played zone last two weeks, he led the NFL in success rate and EPA versus zone coverage. And those are at least one good defense that he was going up against in that sample size. So I think it's a good matchup for him. The Bengals are first in pass rate over expectation over the last six weeks. So we know the Bengals offense probably going to have success with the hottest quarterback in the league. And then you look at Houston, and remember we handicapped that Houston-Tampa game last week, and we said which coordinator is going to open up the offense on early downs. Well, Houston opened it up last week. Stroud went 16 of 19 for 298 yards on first down passes. They had a season-high 60% dropback rate on first down. I was ninth for the entire week after they were last in the NFL prior to that. And D'Amico Ryans came out, and they asked him about it, and he said, you know what, we're going to play to our strengths. And if we got to do that, we got to do that. So I don't think it's going to be a super stubborn coaching staff for Houston. I'm hoping that they made a philosophical change where they start to air it out with Stroud more. So give me uh, a lean towards the over. Yeah, so Arizona Mike B says, could the line drop a point if Chase is rolled out? In all likelihood, the answer is yes. Like the market will react to a Jamar Chase injury in some capacity. So I think – what Hitman said there was just be cognizant of the fact that he may not play and, you know, be on top of that injury situation. Uh, Dan Rivera in the chat says, does it concern any of you that the Texans are off an epic win and they could start slow here? I'll throw to you, Eric, because 
I know you probably agree with some stuff that Hitman said about Joe Burrow against zone. Um, you concerned about a flat spot at all for Houston? Does that go into your handicap at all for this game? It, it does. I think, you know, I've been slow to, I've been slow to Houston last week. I, I like Tampa Bay and, you know, frankly, I got lucky um, that Tampa was ended, ended up covering the closing number uh, in some ways. Um, but it was Tampa Bay. This is a, a Bucks team that, you know, offensively has not been much. They get, they score 37 in that game. Um, and, and so we all look at CJ Stroud and, and he was tremendous. I, I don't, I don't think you really have to qualify that he's good for a rookie. I think he's good no matter uh, sort of what you look at it. But um, I do think that this, to me, this is just simply an overreaction where, you know, you have two teams whose power ratings in my my models, but I, I would imagine the entire market and anybody who's betting these models have increased substantially over the past few weeks. And to me, I think it's, you know, to me, it's the question of like, who's, whose power ratings moved more fundamentally? And I'm going to go with the team that's been pretty good for a few years now, uh, getting back to their, you know, predicted prior form of the season, plus some positives for having beaten some good teams in the past few weeks versus a Houston team that I'm still worried about. Do they revert to, do they revert to early down running? Do they, does Stroud regress a little bit? I mean, this team just two weeks ago lost outright to Carolina, a team that is going to make Rob, you know, uh, you know, ha have to do a different kind of stream uh, tomorrow night. So to me, I think that that's like my handicap is just that, I'm really impressed by Houston, but I think that this is a little bit of an overcorrection, and I, I do like uh, laying. And there is a, an issue with 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 Chase for sure, but I think Higgins and Boyd, and to a lesser extent, you know, guys like uh, guys like Irv Smith and Joe Mixon, um, provide a little bit of a buffer uh, for that Bengals offense to be sustainable, even without him or with him banged up. So, Suma, you weren't with us on the show last week, but I, I know for the previous two weeks that you've been high on the Bengals. Uh, the 49ers game a couple weeks ago, last week, Sunday night football against the Bills. Do you view this as another good spot to back Cincinnati, Cincinnati or is there some pause or cause for concern for you? I'm standing on the sidelines because of the injury situation, but I lean or I agree with, with Hitman and Eric um, I think this number might also be a tad low and I would actually prefer to get a better line with the Bengals if Jamar Chase is out versus um, Lyon staying in the six and a half, seven range with the possibility of him being limited in the game and or maybe on a snap count because his back is not fine. I, so I guess if that drops after a bad Chase news, I would probably like Bengals more at a lower number. Um, I just think Texans defense, especially their past defense, they are not good at all. And I think even without Chase, Bengals should have no issue moving the ball. Might also be a, a, a little letdown flat spot um, for the Texans after that epic uh, comeback win. And I also agree with Hitman, like if there's a game script where the Bengals score many points and are leading the game, like, I don't know, 27, 17 or something, um, there's always the, the, the chance that the Texans just go into pass-heavy mode, be, being aggressive and sling the ball down the field and somehow um, get this um, towards the, the over here. So I agree with the two right now at, at the current market price and with the injury situation I'm standing on the sidelines. But uh, yeah, uh, I would also lean towards Bengals here. I love that we have situational Suma back referencing a potential letdown spot for the Houston Texans. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence with this game. Um, the the, the CJ Stroud performance last week obviously was pretty incredible. But the one thing that stands out to me about 
CJ Stroud this year is that he's put together these solid success rate numbers, EPA per dropback. 51% of his throws are going past the sticks this season, which is incredibly high to be not turning the ball over at a high rate and also to be having the success rate that he's having. So I think Stroud, Stroud is like by far the real deal here. And on top of that, go through Houston's schedule and look at the defenses that they've played. In terms of success rate and EPA, they've played the third toughest schedule of opposing defenses. They've played the Ravens. They've played the Jags. Steelers, uh, Saints, even the Falcons who've had a above average defense for a large part of the year. So I don't know that I really want to fade Stroud at these numbers at any point in the near future. I, I, I kind of have a small lean to Houston. Maybe I'm not factoring in the situational spot all that much, but with the potential of Jamar Chase missing this one, I don't know. It looks like we're all over the place on this game, which is nice. And I think uh, it's good for the viewers when we can give different uh breakdowns of these types of games also good for the viewers will be getting the best number possible when betting on games and over the course of the show you'll see this little ticker at the bottom of the show that has the current spread current total at pinnacle sportsbook and you probably will look at that and be like hey you know what my sportsbook doesn't have as good a price on one of these sides or one of these totals and that's because pinnacle has everyday competitive odds they've been doing this for 25 years so bet smart bet pinnacle Use code HAMMER when signing up, as it does help support the show. And remember, you must be 19+, plus, available in Ontario, not available in the U.S. And as always, we all encourage this. Please play responsibly, which is why I couldn't, uh, in good faith, tell someone to go parlay all the wins. Please play responsibly going forwards. Game number two, guys. Another banger of a game. 49ers on the road take on the Jacksonville Jaguars by week probably came at a very good time for the 49ers. Uh, they had the five and zero start to the season lost three games in a row, but they get chase young at the deadline that bolsters their defense, potentially very probably Debo Samuel back potentially Trent Williams as well. So a much healthier squad coming out of the bye week, another team coming off the bye. Jacksonville Jaguars. They also had some injuries in the secondary, Tyson Campbell, Andre Cisco prior to the bye week. So a nice little break for them as well. They have a five-game winning streak going into this game. Current market at Pinnacle, 49ers minus three. Total 45 and a half, juiced pretty heavily to the over. Eric, I'll go to you first here. The Jags have turned a lot of heads, especially with their defense this season. Do you like this matchup for them this week against the 49ers? I do. I think, you know, one of the things that has sort of been disappointing about the Jaguars so far this year has been their offense um, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, not necessarily like how he's performed from a scouting perspective, but just their output has been a little down. I think that, you know, when you think about NFL football, you know, offense, generally speaking, will converge to the play of the quarterback. And I think that, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence coming out of a bye should be a bigger improvement than uh, Brock Purdy coming out of a bye just because he's more talented and, and a better player overall. Um, when I look at, you know, the matchup in this game, though, I mean, the biggest thing is the 49ers, when they have performed well on offense, it's been Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey over the past three weeks or so, since he had the oblique strain uh, against Cleveland, has been one of the least efficient rushers per relative to expectation in football. No one, you know, notices that because in fantasy football, he scores a touchdown or two every single game. He's got that streak alive. 
but you you know you add you know maybe maybe getting a little healthier this week, but he goes up against Foye Aluakon and Devin Lloyd, who are two players who have performed incredibly well for the Jaguars. Uh, at, you know at that second level, then you add to that you know Josh Allen and how well he's played. Trevon Walker's done pretty well, you know, holding the point of attack, and I do think they match up against a, an offense that while getting Debo Samuel back. Uh, still, you know, has a banged up Trent Williams and still is dealing with, you know, some of the, you know, I think Purdy has played better than the interceptions over the past few weeks, but still a quarterback that is very limited. So I, I actually, I, you know, I like Doug Peterson's group uh, getting the full three at home uh, out of the bye here. Suma, I know over the course of years, you've been a, a pretty big proponent of Kyle Shanahan, a big fan of his offensive game planning, has an extra week to prepare for this game. Uh, what are your thoughts on the 49ers and the Jags this weekend? Yeah, I'm leaning very small towards the Niners. I, I make the number slightly um, just ob- over three. I just think that the Niners have nothing have done nothing wrong, so to speak, in, in recent weeks. They had their dud game at Cleveland in, in terrible weather against a great defense where Trent Williams and Debo in, got injured during the game. Then they had two games without these two guys uh, where they moved the ball very well on early downs. Um over the second half of, of, of this first half of the season, they, they still rank number one in success rate on early downs, number one in EPA per play on early downs. They just had some very costly turnovers at, at the wrong moments. And now this week, they will, will will very likely get Trent Williams back. Debo is, is expected to be a full goal. And I think they are still clearly the the better team to me. Uh, and Shanahan, with two weeks uh, in between, can fix some stuff. I just think the Niners are fine. They are the better team to me. And this might be some sort of a small overcorrection after the Niners have lost three games in a row where they, in my opinion, did not really look much worse from, from a process standpoint. I just think if, if, if Purdy, yes, he, he always had these few interceptable throws every game, but maybe uh, one or two throws bounce differently and we might be talking differently about the Niners right now. So, um, yeah, I'm really high on the Jaguars in general, but I, I'm not sure this is the best opponent for them coming out of the bye week. So no strong opinions one way or another here. And Hitman, I'm going to throw to you to settle the uh, the 1-1 one, one tie on the leans right now. If you got anything on this game, you might not. And we we hold true to our opinions beforehand and don't force things. But uh, 49ers, Jags, any any thoughts on this one? I'm not settling the tie. So it's it's going to be 1-1. One, one. Um, I'm going to try to walk away with my strong lean record this year. I might just not give out another one the rest of the year, Rob. But um, with that said, I think that if you're handicapping this game, it comes down to one thing. Do you rate San Francisco closer to what their rating was in market about three weeks ago or so? Or are you downgrading them off of the three straight losses where they lost Debo Samuel and they lost Trent Williams? I'm kind of in the middle. I get the case to where the offense probably shouldn't be downgraded that much because Brock Purdy played pretty well in those games against Minnesota and Cincinnati. He completed 70 and 71% of his passes for nine and 12 yards per attempt. And that was again, without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. So getting them back, it's going to obviously be a boost. So I think that this offense is just fine, but then obviously you have what was happening with the defense was just super concerning. 
in that Minnesota and in that Cincinnati game. Um, so for me, I, I kind of, I'm kind of in wait and see mode. I, I just, I think the line's right. If it was two and a half and it could get buyback because there was a big release at two and a half to move to the three, I'm sure there's going to be some people interested in Jacksonville. I really can't see it getting up to three and a half. If it does get back to two and a half, maybe consider San Francisco, but I, I just think at three, the line's right. Yeah, I can't settle this one either. I, subjectively, you know, my first thought on this game was like, I'd love to bet the 49ers in some capacity. The, the the chance that we're viewing them at like the lowest they've been in market is probably pretty high. But one thing about the 49ers, you look to the Bengals game, you look to the, the Vikings game. What Burrow and Cousins did in those games was get the ball out of their hands very quickly. And that worked very successfully for them. Trevor Lawrence this year has a 2.33 second average time to throw. That's the lowest mark in the league. It's actually quicker than Tua. And we've been talking a lot about how quickly Tua has been getting the ball out. That to me is the way to beat the 49ers. Don't let this pass rush get home. Now, the Jags offense hasn't been anything special this year. Don't get me wrong. It's actually underperformed relative to expectation. But I kind of like that they have that going for them. Tough game for me overall. I'm very interested to watch it this week uh, and enjoy it. For those of you who have not yet smashed that like button down below, 33 likes. This is pitiful. After two games to have 33 likes, this is the most pitiful performance of all the fellow nails this year on Forward Progress. Smash that like button down below. If you're new here, you're not subbed yet to the channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. It goes a long way for helping us grow our content. YouTube loves likes. They love seeing comments. They love all this shit. So make sure that you do it. Make sure that you do it if you're watching the show right now. Third game, another good one. Usually, you know, I'm here and I'm trying to like do like a quick intro on like an absolutely horrendous game and try to somehow make it interesting. But so far, so good this week. This one, the Chargers at home at four and four, taking on the Detroit Lions at SoFi. The Chargers obviously had that 27 to 6. I'm going to use like beat down in quotations here on Monday night against the Jets because the offense did nothing, but the defense definitely showed up to play. Keenan Allen, 10,000 career receiving yards, hits a milestone. Austin Eckler, a couple touchdowns as well. And they sacked Zach Wilson eight times in that game. The Lions have one of the better offenses in the NFL coming off of a bye. The last time we saw them was prior to the bye where they beat the Raiders 26 to 14 in a game that felt like a 56 to 14, not a 26 to 14 in week seven. Prior to that, they were humiliated by the Ravens that snapped a four game winning streak for them. Current market right now at pinnacle lions, minus two minus one twenty four as the main market. That's really like a two and a half, almost going to three. If we're doing a, a little bit of a, a translation on that line, the total at 49, juiced under at minus 115 in this game. Suma, I'm going to start with you here. Chargers pulled out that Monday night football win against your New York Jets, despite playing pretty poor offensively. Is this a good time to potentially fade the Chargers? Yes, I think so. Um, after playing the Bears and the Jets, where they 
basically we're just waiting on Zach Wilson to um, uh, commit a turnover and didn't need to do anything on offense, just not turn a, turn the ball over. I think this will be a completely different matchup. Also interesting again that the Chargers are coming off that on of a Monday night game. I, I've read that they stayed at uh, New Jersey and then flew back on on Tuesday. Uh, so it's going to be a short week for them, um, bye week uh, for the Lions who are getting healthier. Frank Ragnow is back, Jonah Jackson is back. This will be the healthiest that the Lions were uh, in quite some time now. And I just think, or I have the impression that the Chargers offense is kind of broken. And I think there are several reasons for it. It started with the injury to Mike Williams, I think. And when you, when you look at some efficiency metrics since uh, week four for the Chargers, Offense. They rank 23rd in passing success rate, 32nd in rushing success rate by country mile, and 31st in early down success rate. They cannot move the ball consistently. Um, Corey Lindsley is on IR, and it doesn't really sound that he will be back soon. Um, there were some comments where Steady said he's in a very good place mentally right now, so it sounds like it's going to be a, a, a kind of a long-term thing. Will Clapp, his replacement, is having a 51.7 grade in his absence, so there's something that's just not clicking for this offense. Josh Palmer being on IR, on IR doesn't help either, and... Um, I think the Lions defense was probably overrated after the start of the season, but they are going to be healthy now. Keen Allen in the, uh, in, in the slot um, has, has a rough matchup, I would say, against the Lions defense. And on the other side, I cannot see how the Chargers defense is going to stop this Lions offense, um, especially since they got their starting offensive line back. Um, Staley made a hilarious comment after the Jets game uh, because uh, when a reporter asked him, hey, you guys got uh, seven sacks, again, or eight sacks against Zach Wilson, and he said, yeah, that's how our defense looks when it's healthy. Like, I mean, they got 30 sacks on the season, 15 against Aiden O'Connell and Zach Wilson, and they got eight sacks against Aiden O'Connell, I guess, when Joey Bosa was out with an injury. So, I mean... I just don't I I just don't see how this current state of the Chargers offense can stay with the Lions in a game that uh, tends to be higher scoring and I I just don't see it. I, I think that the Chargers offense doesn't have the horses right now. Lions are clearly one tier above the Chargers for me and um anything up to a soft 3 for the Lions would be a strong lean for me. Hey, man, what are your thoughts here? Obviously, a lot of people, including Sumar, down on the Chargers offense right now. They do have a very high quality caliber quarterback. Is this like the expectation that the, the Chargers we've seen for the last month is going to just continue forward until we see something different out of that offense? Or are you trying to time the market with them at some point? Because this is we're getting to the point and we are at the point now if the, the Lions do end up hitting three where the Chargers are going to be basically valued the worst in market as they have been the entire year like at what point do we say to ourselves maybe the chargers can get it together yeah um my thoughts was i agreed with the move that came on detroit today if you watch that game last week it was just apparent that the chargers cannot stretch the ball vertically without mike williams and now without josh palmer and against chicago the week before who's pretty bad pass defense justin herbert had the lowest a dot I, th I think they've had an all season. It was, I believe, four and a half yards. Another low A dot game. 
against the Jets. They cannot run the ball ever since the Miami game. The run offense has struggled for them. So it, it was a game that I left pretty concerned about the Chargers. And you don't say that often after a 20-point win or whatever it was. But the game, it came out pretty even stat-wise. Like, if you just look, the Jets fumbled four times, and the Chargers recovered three of them. The Chargers fumbled three times, and they recovered all three, and they had a special teams touchdown. That was pretty much the difference in a game where it was just two bad-looking offenses that played against each other. And then one other uh, situational thing, Lions coming off to buy Chargers on a short week. And it's going to be a really minimal home field advantage, you'd have to think, for the Chargers in this game. Going to be at least greater than 50% Lions fans. So I agreed with the move. And I just think that the Chargers offense is kind of looking like last year, where it's just all short stuff right now. They just do not have a vertical element to their passing game. I'm really surprised at how situational Suma could have missed that stuff. The Lions fans in attendance and also the the, the scheduling spot. Uh, you're gonna have. I, said I know you've had a week off. Spot. Yeah, I, I did hear that. I I did hear that. Widowmaker spot 2.0, as uh, Drew Dinsick, Whale Capper calls it, the Widowmaker spot. Uh, Eric, thoughts on this one? I mean, so far it seems like a lot of pessimism towards the Chargers' offense, and I mean, it's hard to argue with it with the injuries that they have right now at the wide receiver position. Yeah, and in addition to that, Austin Eckler has been pretty bad. I mean, if you go to this to our our website at Sumer Sports. Uh, look at ball carriers. He's, you know, per carry about a negative a half a yard created per play. Um, you know, when you look at rushing yards over expected, which is a different metric, um, he's been poor there as well. So, you know, one of the weaknesses that Detroit has had historically in the Dan Campbell era is being able to stop the run. And I don't even know if the Chargers necessarily have the goods to take advantage of that either. Um, so I, I just, yeah, I mean, my numbers didn't make this a, an edge for Detroit, but all the, all, you know, situational Suma has got, got my feels going here for the restore the roar lions. And, you know, the only thing that's keeping me off this game is how happy it would make Kanish. Whale <laughs> says that uh, he's in Wales in here right now. He actually says that this, the, sh the short rest favors like this spot favors the short rest team historically. Uh, and I can't explain it. I would guess that over the long run, if we played more games, it wouldn't favor the short rest team. That would just be my thought probably more of an anomaly. One thing that I find really interesting, I don't like the Chargers in this game. I don't. But Detroit mixes up a lot of their coverages on defense. But when you look at the rates of each coverage, they're top eight in playing cover two and quarters defense. And these are the two schemes that Justin Herbert has destroyed this year. Against cover two, 0.22 EPA per play, 51.5% success rate against cover four, 0.42, 70.4% success rate. Now, limited samples, obviously. This also includes samples of Mike Williams not being in the lineup. So this is the defense that he is supposed to be good against. And if he's not, I think we just got to, we got to say to ourselves at some point, like this Chargers offense is not going to get it together. Jared Goff as well, number one pff grade sorry to mention pff eric i know it brings up bad memories i'm just i'm just kidding around but number one pff grade uh when he's kept clean so far this season and prior to that monday night football showing against the jets where the jets o-line is basically has basically eric eager blocking you know coming off the streets and playing at this point considering the amount of injuries that they have 
Uh, the Chargers were third last in the league in quarterback knockdowns, below average in hurry percentage and pressure rate as well. So if Goff can be kept clean, I think that this is a, a scenario where Detroit can put up a lot of points in this game. Before we get to our fourth game here, you may have noticed Hitman has a caption that says, $500 being given out tomorrow, forward progress. Hitman, fill the people in on why that's happening. Well, had a pretty good week last week. You know, I said everything went good. College football, live betting, props, all that. Was feeling confident. Said, you know what, the best bet, losing streak. It's ending the night. Had one and a half points of CLV. Ended up predictably not coming through. So we're giving out $500 of my money on uh, Ford Progress with Jason tomorrow. You got to be in the show. He's going to put it at, uh, in a Twitter randomizer, something like that. But uh, check it out, and uh, uh, you get a little bit of rebate on the Hitman Best Bets this week. There you go. And also shameless plug as well. Insight, thank you very much. Took the Lions minus one after the Sunday early look with Robin Clive. I do want to remind everyone, I do a show every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. We pull up the pinnacle odds screen as lines are coming out, and we do try to help people get ahead of early line moves. It honestly negatively impacts me in life in a lot of cases, and I'm like, why did I do that? But so far, so good for everyone who's been watching the show, um, and I do appreciate that from Insight as well. Game number four. It's an NFC tilt. It's the Seattle Seahawks returning home, coming off of a disastrous performance against Baltimore. They take on the Washington Commanders. Last week, the Seahawks offense, 151 net yards, 37 to 3 loss. It was their lowest offensive yardage in about six years. Just ugly altogether as they couldn't get anything going. The Commanders, meanwhile, they got a 2017 win to cash Eric Eager's best bet. They snapped a two-game losing streak. Uh, Sam Howell, pretty good. 325 yards, one touchdown, one interception, which I talked about earlier on. Most importantly, he was sacked only three times. And I say only three times because he's had a lot of games this year where that number has been double. Market at Pinnacle right now. Seahawks, minus six, minus 109. The total's been bet up since earlier in the week. It's now at 46, still juiced to the over. Hitman, you can hit leadoff here. I think you were potentially eyeing the total in this game, but is there still room with where the number is right now at 46? It's moved a little more than I would have liked, but I know there's some sharp people that disagree and like the under, so it could easily come back. 45 was kind of my buy point on the over in this game. And for me, it, it really just comes down to Washington. They lead the league in situation neutral pass rate, both for the season and for the last month. Their opponents are also, they're throwing at the sixth highest opponent pass rate during the last month. They're ranked 30th in dropback EPA, and they're really becoming a pass funnel defense where we know that they had pretty much no secondary and the defensive line is what was keeping this defense from being one of the worst in the league. You lose those defensive linemen. Last week, they only had a 22% pressure rate on Mac Jones. And even when they had their guys on their defensive line, they were 21st in pressure rate for the season. And one thing that we know about Geno Smith is he is by far one of the most pressure-sensitive quarterbacks in the entire league. And if he's not being pressured, you have the matchup edges, with DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, Najigba, and Tyler Lockett against his struggling secondary of Washington. So I believe the Seattle's going to get the offense back on track. 
this week. And Washington, I think that they can, with their high pass rate over expectation, Sam Howell, he's a gunslinger. He can keep um, he can keep Washington at least moving the ball in this one. All right, Eric, I'll turn it over to you. You might have a differing viewpoint on this game. Yeah, I mean, my numbers like Washington ATS, but I'm more going to talk about the total. Like, I, I'm actually against uh, Hitman here just because when I look at the when when I look at the, the current NFL, which we don't have a ton of data on, really. Like, I like to look at situations where the total is like a modest kind of you know back in the day NFL total, and the 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 the, the Seattleness of this team, right, where they have a decently high success rate but a low EPA um, is like the classic reason why you watch all these goddamn games on Sunday that start out. Okay. Teams move the football. They're not, they're not the jets on offense. And yet none of these games go over. And, and when I look at Seattle, I think that this is a team that, you know, they can move the football, um, you know, on first and second down and then, you know, modestly, but you know, not, not with negative plays, but from a, from a big play standpoint, from a red zone standpoint, they just can't cash in. Couple that with the fact that Washington, you know, to Hitman's point, like def- on the defensive line, they're going to struggle getting pressure, but they are pretty good at stopping the run, like minus 0.13 EPA per run play. And, you know, run the run, you know, run rate is mostly offensive driven. And if you, we know anything about Seattle, Pete Carroll, uh, you know, Shane Waldron, they're going to run on first and second down. And so when I look at this team, I think, you know, Washington does have, there's a door open, right? And and if we were betting on like kind of what Washington should, or sorry, Seattle should do, I feel like the over is the play. If we, if we bet on what how Seattle has historically acted as a football team, like they're going to play right into the strengths uh, of what Washington still has defensively. And so this is a weird game where I understand why the total is high. Neither of these offenses is, is embarrassing. And I think they will move the football but I think that that's going to play actually against in sort of the 2023 way of move the ball out to, to one side, to one of the forties and punt. And, and beyond that, the last bit, bit of uh, sort of numerical, you know, I have here is when you look at both of the, you know, fourth down decisions for both coaches, they're both pretty bad, right? So when you get a situation where you could get that high variant swing by one of these coaches going for a fourth down and being woke and getting seven instead of three, I think you're going to get a few threes. And so you couple the long drives the long sustained drives that will end in field goal attempts. I think that the under is the play here. All right, Suma, we've had uh, opposing point of views here in the early going. Any thoughts on Seahawks and commanders? Uh, I know you were listening to some other podcasts yesterday, which had some very strong thoughts on this game. I'm wondering if you echo that as as well. <laughs> I mean, I make it seven, but I think it's a trap line. So um, I will not get involved. <laughs> Um, no, I think this, this Washington defense was not great with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. And we only saw one game of them against a very hapless, um, Patriots offense. So, I mean, I I just want to see how guys like two Hill and Smith Williams really hold up, um, against Seattle. I think the, this is a great spot for the Seahawks to get back on track. I think that Washington's pass defense will not really stand in the way of Geno Smith moving the ball. I also don't think that they have great cornerback matchups against uh, Metcalf, Lockett, and uh, JSN, who might actually not, not drop passes this week. Um, 
and Seattle's offensive line is, is, is getting healthier. So I just don't see how Washington's defense has a great matchup in this one to really prevent the Seahawks from scoring. I mean, like Eric said, they might settle for field goals more often than, than touchdowns. But overall, I think that um, Seattle should get back on track offensively. And then on the other side, uh, Seattle is a very zone-heavy defense, and Sam Howell has not been great against these type of defenses that uh, where he cannot hit his guys um, in, in, in man coverage in stride. I think Howell has been getting better, absolutely. Um, he's really been better than what we saw from him in this, I think, week two game at Buffalo or against Buffalo, for, for, for instance. But I, I think this this game might be a, a little bit too much for Washington in general, especially when Seahawks can pull away and Washington cannot run the ball. It, it will be a, a lot of downs where uh, Seattle's defense just knows that Sam Howe is going to throw the ball and they can basically prepare a little bit better for it. I just think that good matchup for Seattle, also leaning slightly towards Seattle at the six. Scott wants to know what Suma was listening to, but I assure you, Scott, you actually do not want to know. There's no reason to want to know. Suma uh, listens to it, so you don't have to. Exactly. Yes. He just provides us with the information on there. Uh, for me, call me Sammy Square or Pauly Public or whatever the hell you want to call me this week. I, I kind of like the Seahawks in this game. I will say the one thing I've noticed by watching Washington's last two games is there's definitely been an emphasis on getting the ball out of Howell's hands earlier. It's a lot of three-step drops quick release, and that's going to help him going forwards. So I'm not sure how his previous splits this year are going to hold up over time. And Howell's been very bad. He's been terrible against cover three. Seattle plays a lot of zone. They play a lot of cover three. Ordinarily wouldn't be a good matchup, but I'm willing to say, okay, maybe this will change going forwards if the Washington offense is going to change. The one thing for me is that Geno Smith, the last couple weeks, Cleveland, Baltimore, these are teams that mix in a lot of man coverage, and they do it well. Like They play man defense really well. They can pressure the quarterback. This is not the same. Like People are like, Washington plays like the 10th most amount, amount, of, uh, man most amount of man coverage in the league. It's like, yeah, but they suck at doing it. They've sucked at doing it all year, and that's when they had pass rushers. Uh, I think this is a Geno right, get right game. Personally, I think the number's a little bit short on this one. I'm also just really tempted with that Washington pinnacle as a Washington team total under 19 and a half at plus 106 right now. And that tempts me a little bit as well, because I think that this Seahawks defense um, has been pretty solid. And with the amount of zone they play, I think that they can confuse Sam Howell in this game. We got one more game left and then best bets. We ain't doing best bets unless we got a hundred likes on the stream. Shouldn't be that hard to do. We got over 200 watching. Just take two seconds, smash that like button down below. And of course, if you're not subscribed here on Forward Progress, make sure you do so. We had a professional better in here, very difficult earlier. He's very upset with the content we're doing on Forward Progress because it's help helping other people. If that's not a cue for you to subscribe here on Forward Progress, then I don't know what is. And maybe he'll be back next week as extremely difficult or something progressively more difficult. I'm sure he'll turn up at some point in the future. But make sure you do smash that like button down below. Denver at Buffalo. Monday night football. Final game we're going to talk about. Denver coming off their bye week. And honestly, off of a pretty victory. Which Eric would like to forget, I think. Had a lot of run-ins with uh, Broncos Twitter that week. 
The Buffalo Bills, not looking so hot. 24-18 road loss to Cincinnati. Josh Allen played better in the second half, but overall has just been struggling over the past five weeks where they have not covered a single spread in that time. Eric, I will go to you first for this game. The Bills struggling out of the playoff picture right now. People are wondering what's going on. Are you viewing this as a potential buy low spot? The current market, Bills minus seven and a half, minus 112, total 47. Yeah, the, the Bills can remain undervalued longer than I can stay solvent, I think. But in this case, I will I will continue to back Buffalo and Josh Allen for MVP. Um, I, I get it. The defense is banged up. Um, and especially in, in things that, you know, Buffalo is struggling with, you know, for example, middle of the field with, uh, with Matt Milano and and at the corner with ben, with Benford being you know banged up and and things like that. Micah Hyde is a stinger. Like they, they, it's not looking good from the defensive side of the ball. That being said, like you're not going to get you know, you know Buffalo Buffalo's you know Josh Allen's first in total EPA. You know Stephon Diggs is you know as productive as it gets. You know Denver does have you know uh, Patrick Sertan who will be I think a difficult matchup. But then Buffalo has gone and and made Dalton Kincaid pretty effective. We have seen the Gabriel Davises and the Khalil Shakirs at times be productive over the past uh, few weeks. I just think that this is a buy low spot for Buffalo and a a sell high spot. I know, you know obviously Denver is coming off of the um, uh, off of the buy. I just think you know that game two weeks ago was much more about Kansas City than it was about Denver, and you know probably lose you know learning all the wrong lessons from that Denver as well. With you know all the carries to Javante Williams and all that kind of stuff that I don't necessarily know are efficient offense, so I, I'm just going to go with Buffalo here as a buy low. Hitman, you obviously watched a lot of Buffalo on Sunday Night Football, hoping for points. The points never came. <laughs> are the points eventually going to come for this Bills offense? And is this the matchup where they can maybe figure it out and get it back on track? Yeah, I don't know if Denver brings it out brings it out of them. I remember Sean Payton was. He made it apparent it was before the first Kansas City game that they needed to start running the ball more. And ever since that point, they've really been pretty much hiding Russell Wilson. And over the last four games, it's kind of shown where he's only had six yards per attempt and his passing volume has went down a lot. Um, I mean, I don't got much of an opinion on this. Buffalo, historically, they beat the hell out of bad teams, but they're just not the same team right now. And then you look just from a matchup perspective. The Denver defense has played a lot better in recent weeks. The big question that we have with Buffalo is their complementary playmakers. Obviously, Stephon Diggs is going to have a very difficult matchup against Patrick Sertan in this one. So can the other playmakers step up for Buffalo? Not much of an opinion on this one. All right, Suma. Uh, Eric made a case for Buffalo here. We see some pessimism in the chat right now uh, in regards to the Bills, which isn't surprising. Whatever everyone is addicted to coming from the Bills is more addictive than painkillers. No one can quit them. Uh, Bills won't go anywhere with the injuries on that defense. How are you feeling about this Broncos game, them coming off the bye against a very underperforming Bills team? Yeah. I mean, something is missing with that Bills team. Uh, on the defensive side, Terrell Banas in the concussion protocol. I think it will be a, a, another tough loss, especially against a Broncos offense that that's getting slightly better. They want to run the ball, and I 
I'm not sure that the current state of, of the Bills defense has the horses to consistently really disrupt this kind of uh, Broncos offense. Um, also, playing with practice squad linebackers might really help the Broncos in the in the play action game. So I think that that Denver should be able to, to cook something up to to move the ball. And then the question to me becomes whether this Bills offense is consistent enough to to really outscore an opponent like this by by margin and i'm not sure that i could get there right now the, um, I, I think ben Solak tweeted it out yesterday or, or today that josh allen has been significantly worse on the deep ball since his uh, shoulder injury so i mean when you watch the game you, you you don't really see limitations but the these deep deep ball numbers also cannot be ignored so un until i see that this offense is is really back in, in in like all facets of the game i'm a little bit hesitant hesitant and i think just right now especially with the banar injury i think that anything over seven is, is a little bit too high for my taste i'm with you suma on this one I, I mean it's been a get right spot for the bills for a month now right they lost to jacksonville in london and it was like okay they're gonna beat up on the giants on monday night football and, I, and then guess Tyrod Taylor had a chance to win the game from the one yard line. And then it's like, guess what? The Patriots are going to feel the wrath of the bills next week and they lose outright. And then it's Tampa Bay. And okay. They, that was probably the most complete game they played Tampa Bay on the short week. Tampa kind of flukes off the spread cover in that game, but still not an impressive offensive output. And then again, last week they catch money Sunday night football don't cover again. And I'm kind of just in the same camp as everyone else where I, I just don't see it. I don't see it with Buffalo. And honestly, maybe this is like famous last words for me. I think Denver might be a sneaky second half good team. I know the last thing we saw was them beat Kansas City, but the defense is fully healthy. And I'm not suggesting that means that all of a sudden, like this is a great defense. It's not, but it's not the one that ranked 32nd by a mile for the large half of the first half of the season. And all these injuries on Buffalo's defense digs against certain like it just oh, I can't even believe I'm talking myself into the the Broncos having a shot to win this game but that's where I'm at right now with the bills uh so I'm kind of with you on this one Suma I can't get to seven and a half so you know pray for me people pray pray for me back in the Denver Broncos this week appreciate everyone in here it's five games that we covered if you didn't smash that like button, make sure you do so. Also, goes a long way if you share our content as well on your socials, in your WhatsApp groups, Telegram groups, whatever. Help people find us. It does help us grow this and continue to be able to do this on a weekly basis. Let's get into the best bets, boys. Um, it's tradition here that we start with guys at one. In the previous week, Eric, even though producer Jason tried to strip you of that win a week ago, in the early graphic, you did get the win with Washington. We'll start with you here. You're targeting the commander's game again this week. What's it going to be and why? Yeah, I'm going with under, I make it, you know, uh, good to about 44 and a half, uh, but it's 46 and a half uh, right now, minus 105. Again, this is, you know, everybody make a case that's this is a get right spot for Seattle that, that could be the case. I do think Geno Smith has struggled, but there, you know, he, he doesn't mean he's a terrible quarterback. But when I just look at the the success rates versus the EPAs for this team, these are two teams that can move the football. 
enough to be dangerous, uh, but not enough to score in, in some cases. The, the Washington Commanders have stripped out some of the variants associated with their offense, the, the sacks and, and some of the, the interceptions uh, by, by making Sam Howell sort of more of a, a three-step drop player, more of a uh, low time to throw player, which I think, again, plays to uh, the game being more confined. Uh, I also think defensively, um, you know, the, the Seattle is going to want to run the football and, and play kind of into that, that game script as well. And then lastly, I just think neither coach uh, is going to do what it takes on fourth downs uh, to, to score touchdowns as opposed to field goals. And if this total was in the 30s, like that would probably be an issue. But this total is in the mid 40s uh, and field goals are probably, uh, you know, a win on every single possession in that regard. So I, I like under in Washington versus Seattle. All right, Eric, taking the under in the Commander Seahawks game, which we covered earlier. I'm going to go up next here, and I'm going to stick with the theme of totals. Got one right last week. Uh, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints and Minnesota Vikings under 41 and a half, minus 113. You could play the 41 as well. Those are all fine. 41 is a key number. I wouldn't go much lower than that. The Saints have kind of figured out the red zone woes a little bit. But I'm factoring that into the equation. They're using Taysom Hill a lot more, which has helped them altogether. But a few things here. First and foremost, credit to Josh Dobbs last week. Pretty incredible performance. Like, offensive line doesn't even know the cadence. They're snapping the ball on the sidelines. He's getting Kevin O'Connell ringing into him, trying to explain what's going on on these plays. He'll probably get better with an extra week of practice. But also, the Saints are now preparing for Josh Dobbs. The Falcons didn't last week. And what I don't like about Minnesota's offense is they can't run the ball. They're the sixth worst rushing EPA in the entire league. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball on the Saints. And think back to Josh Dobbs in Arizona and how he fell off a cliff when James Conner got hurt and Arizona could no longer run the ball. I'm still fairly high on the Saints defense, so I like that matchup. On the other side of things, it's a little bit boomer bust and that's scary with Brian Flores. Obviously, they're blitzing at a very high rate, but they also mix in a ton of cover too. Uh, they play cover two at the second highest rate in the entire league. That's been a disastrous defense for Derek Carr this year. 31% success rate against cover two, only better than Baker Mayfield. Negative 0.33 EPA per play against that defense, considerably worse than any other defensive scheme as well. I think this one is just a little bit too high in this game. So I'm going to go back to an under. I hate rooting for these low unders, but I think this one's a little bit too high. Vikings, Saints, under. 41 and a half good down to 41 Suma you're back in business this week after a week off you're going to Pittsburgh it's the Steelers and Packers who do you like and why yes uh, this time I'm siding with the voodoo magic at home against a very underwhelming Packers team um, yes, the Steelers are very, very fortunate to be five and three with all their voodoo magic turnovers, uh, close games. Um, but they played a very tough schedule. By my numbers, they they played the toughest schedule in the league. Third, third toughest on offense, first toughest uh, or toughest on on defense. Um, they played most of the season without Cam Hayward, who's back. Deontay, Jens, uh, Deontay Johnson missed four weeks. He is back. Um, and now they are facing a Packers team that I'm super, super low on. The Packers are very underwhelming, be a below average team on both sides of the ball after playing the, by my numbers, fourth easiest schedule on defense, third easiest on offense. 
Um, this offense also cannot move the ball since week four. The offense ranks uh, 32nd in early down success rate, 32nd in EPA per play, pretty pretty drastically low numbers. And now I think that after really having a lot of issues beating the Brad Ripian Rams, I think that they are going to run into a buzzsaw now with, with Pittsburgh. This this uh, Pittsburgh defense, their defensive line should get to John Love. I'm expecting a, a very mystic-prone game by him. And then on the other side, yes, I'm still having some concerns with the Steelers' offense, but I think they are getting slightly better. And I also think they that they should be able to just do enough to somehow get this game home against this uh, Packers team. Yeah, give me give me the Steelers. All right, Suma going with the Steelers in this one. Hitman, we're going to end it off with you. Hey, man, we're only halfway through the season. The turnaround starts now. Who's the pick and why? We're going with the Ravens, minus six. Let's start with how good Baltimore has been this year. They're plus 115 in point differential, and they're the number three ranked team in DVOA that they've ever had through nine games. Plus, there's just all this talk about the Browns defense, but the Ravens defense this year, number one in YPP, second in EPA, fifth in success rate allowed. And plus, when you look at the Browns, I'm not sold on Deshaun Watson being 100% yet. The Browns offense against Arizona in non-garbage time, two touchdowns, one was on an 11-yard drive, the other was on a 49-yard drive where the ball was tipped into the air on third down into Amari Cooper's hands. They had 17 first downs and 4.6 yards per play against arguably the worst defense in the NFL. And for the entire season, Deshaun Watson has had the highest inaccurate target rate, 16% in the, in the entire league. Cleveland's without both of their starting tackles from the start of the season. And then just from a matchup perspective, from when these teams played in the early, earlier in the season, Lamar Jackson was a super efficient 15 of 19 passing, 186 yards. At Baltimore's running backs rushed 21 times for 102 yards, and this was in a game where they didn't have much pressure put on their offense. So uh, I just think that Cleveland's offense is bottom fourth of the league right now until we see Deshaun Watson show something to us. So give me Baltimore minus six. All right, Baltimore minus six. I always love the chat reactions while Hitman's giving his best bet. <laughs> the run starts now. The run starts now. As a reminder, tomorrow here on Forward Progress, Hitman's giving away 500 bucks. 2 p.m. Eastern time. Hitman, Dr. Eric Eager on the show with Jason Cooper as they will get you previewed for Thursday night football. And if you so wish and so choose, I will be watching that game in its entirety. Tomorrow night, Join me here on Forward Progress. Four Bears, four Panthers. It is going to be a magical game. Those who know, know what I'm talking about. For myself, Rob Pizzola, for Eric Eager, for Suma, for Hitman, and from our sponsors, Pinnacle Sportsbook. Make sure you check them out. If you're in Ontario, 19+, plus. use code HAMMER to sign up as Pinnacle, truly one of the best in the business. Good luck. With all your plays this weekend, this has been Forward Progress, Week 10 Best Bets Edition here on the Forward Progress YouTube channel. Peace out, everyone.